0: Welcome to the Active Faith Podcast, where we are building a theology of self-care together. My name is Andrew Ware. I am your host, and I am the Running Rev. Through conversations with others and reflections, we are seeking to build a theology of self-care, exploring how we take that initiative to care for ourselves as we seek to live out our faith and vocations. Welcome to this episode. On this episode, I have Jamie Dietrich joining me. Uh, she is is coming to us to talk today a little bit about mental health, about mental illness, uh, about the differences, about how we approach them in society, about how we talk about them, about how we help others, what it has looked like in her life. And just a trigger warning here at the top, we do talk about mental illness, about depression, about anxiety, and also about suicide. And so I ask as you listen to this episode, please practice Good self-care as you listen to this episode. And So if you feel like you need to stop listening because uh, it is uh, triggering something in you or you feel like you need to maybe skip some sections, uh, that is fine. I never want to feel like I am harming anybody, but I thought that this was such great information. This was such a great conversation that I wanted to get out there. Uh, So just a warning here at the top, make sure you are caring for yourselves as you listen to this episode. So without any further ado, let's dive into this episode with Jamie. All right, so we are joined today by Jamie Dietrich. Jamie, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you?
0: I am doing well. Uh, so, Jamie, we love to start out learning about our guests. Um, I, I know a lot about you. I've been following you on Instagram, uh, Coffee and Cardio. Uh, that that definitely is my life as well. <laughs> if I wasn't the running rev, I'd probably be Coffee and Cardio because that's about how I get through my day. Um, but for our listeners who may not know you as well, tell us, uh, who are you? Uh, where do you call home? And what does self-care mean to you?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So I am, I'm Jamie, as you said. I am a wife, a mother of two, um, and a dog mom. I am an associate pres- professor of sports psychology. Um, and I am also the department chair now of our Department of Kinesiology. Um, and I'm here down in the Grand Strand area of South Carolina. Um, so. Working probably anywhere from 40 to 50 hours a week, sometimes at home, sometimes in the office. Um, yeah. So I get my students because I teach and I advise, mm. but then I get other people's students when there's a problem. So <laughs> I get it all. So it's it's a lot to handle. Um, oh, you asked self-care, right? Yes. So, um As I said, I teach sports psychology, so I am all about considering the psychological side of things, uh, mental health, um, and we can get more into kind of the difference with mental health and mental illness, Mm -hmm. um, but self-care is tremendously important. I actually was considering trying to make a real, I'm not very good at them, of <laughs> what I do um, when I can feel my anxiety getting really um, hyped up. And so yeah. I've got certain grounding techniques and certain things that I've worked with and with my therapist to help me through those so I don't completely shut down.
0: Yeah. I'd, I'd appreciate that reel a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, will, I will try to get it together, um, but I am not the best. At yeah. that. As we were talking, I am not that technologically advanced. Um, I definitely reached that part in my age where I'm just like, nope, don't want to learn anything new. Yeah. This is it.
0: <laughs> oh, no, I get that. I'm, I am technologically savvy and reels are still difficult. Um, yeah. that's just like a whole new level of thing that feels like a, a, a Gen Z entrance entrance exam kind of thing nowadays. Right. Uh, yeah. We are, we are the Instagram generation. I can post a picture any day of the week.
1: <laughs> yeah. I am all for the static pictures, but I realize that Instagram has changed up their You know, they're kind of how you get seen. So occasionally yeah. I try to post one. Um, we'll see, maybe I'll get a self-care one out there.
0: Well, and I was going to say that's a nature of self-care because as you and I are talking here on, on Monday, you know, I'm about to have some stuff come out changing the way that I interact with social media just because, you know, being a podcast host, being a pastor of a church, being, you know, part of a run club, you know, I mean, I have like four or five Instagram accounts that I'm managing in any week and I'm just like, Holy cow! No, I'm and so I'm like, nope. I need to cut it back and right. for my self care. I need to cut it back because mm-hmm. whether you're trying to learn the algorithm or you're just trying to keep up with life, and mm-hmm. and that can be one of those things when we start thinking about self care. And one of the things that I've appreciated following your your running journey over the years. And so um, remind me, you grew up in Virginia, correct?
1: Yes, I grew okay. up just outside of Richmond. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, so so Jamie is <laughs> one I've I've seen her do the the Richmond. Marathon yes. and half marathon a couple of times. Uh, again, just in passing. I don't know that we've ever actually met. This is the first time we've ever actually met. But I've seen you doing doing the Richmond events and stuff like that. You, you and your whole little girl squad that y'all got going on that just rock it every year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the um, Richmond running community is great, supportive, tight yes. Love them.
0: And even if you don't live there, even if you're not living in the Richmond running community, but you have been a part of it, because I still Mm -hmm. get messages all the time from them like, hey, how's it going? Things like that. But when we start talking about self-care, especially self-care and running, you know, over the last, I'd say probably about a year or so, you've kind of had an interesting relationship with your running journey, especially as someone who uses running as a form of Mm self-care and and not just physical self-care but even to me it looks like a lot of the mental self-care as well. And so as we dive into this journey, what has your mental health journey looked like when it's come alongside of your physical health journey? Cuz you've had a lot of hiccups in both of those areas in the last yeah year.
1: i would say the last 2 to 3 years have been um a circus for yes. me
0: um and not went, just because um, of covid
1: <laughs> Right. i have i had covid twice um discovered that i have a heart condition that i need to get checked out um because i've got an aneurysm in my ascending aorta that we got to make sure that that doesn't rupture um yeah. And so that kind of has has been some ups and downs there. Um, I've had a lot of injuries um, with regard to my my knees and my shins and calves and everything in between. Um, found out that I've got some hypermobility, and so my bones just kind of move more than they should. Um, so that's caused some problems. But really focusing on PT and and um, strength training has gotten me back out there because as you mentioned it is definitely a huge form of my self care um i i run alone more often than not because that is my me time um mm-hmm. i mentioned i have two kids i you know i've got a husband and a dog and work and it's just nonstop all the time and so it's nice to have that time to myself to get out and run and sometimes I listen to a podcast or, um, a book, an audio book. Um, lately it's obviously been the Taylor Swift Midnight's album. Fair enough. Um, so <laughs> I've been diving into that, but I, I love that kind of time to myself. And it took a little while to get there because mm-hmm. there's a lot of mom guilt associated with, Hey, I've got to go run for two hours. You know, you're with the kids, honey. And it's, it's difficult. So I have kind of mostly gotten past that so that I don't feel guilty because that's not going to help. Right. So I need to get out there. I need to kind of take a deep breath, have that me time, um, just physical activity in general. We already know, I mean, there's plenty of studies out there that show it reduces signs and symptoms of anxiety and depression. Um, Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you don't need other things, but physical activity in general is super helpful. Um, cardio, strength training, even yoga, things like that. Any kind of activity is great, and for me, it's running and yoga. So,
0: and and very clarifying on that on that last bit where you talk about, you know, it's just part of the routine. Um, mm-hmm. It's part of what goes into the holistic lifestyle. And so, if you could, for a moment, as as we look at the running, and we we kind of dive into the way that your running was disrupted, especially during the pandemic, coming off of injuries, coming off of heart issues. Uh, really, one of the big reasons that I wanted to have you on was this mental health component, mm-hmm. because I feel like we can all have these disruptions in our lives where the normal mitigation measures we have for whatever mental diagnoses we're dealing with or whatever sort of mental stressors we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. can really get in the way. Uh, So to kind of introduce our listeners to it, can you tell us a little bit what you're comfortable with about your own mental health journey?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I want to clarify first that there's mental health and mental illness. Okay, thank you. Everyone has mental health, right? (laughs) Like, we all need to pay attention to that. And whatever it is that you do for self care is important. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: And I am a big, big advocate for therapy. I think it's just, I got to a point with, I didn't want to be venting to my husband because that just puts more stress on a marriage. So it was nice to have somebody else Mm -hmm. to to talk with about these things. And so we all have mental health and we all need to address that. And we need to deal that deal with that. Um, And then there's mental illness. And It's been about three years now since I was, um, formally diagnosed, um, with, um, so I have pretty severe anxiety. Um, so it goes past just that general anxiety that people feel, but I have, um, I've even experienced kind of waves of panic disorder where I have, you know, panic attacks daily. And if anybody's ever had a panic attack, they know this is not just your normal Hey, I'm anxious. This is the, I can't breathe. Um, I'm going to die right now. My heart Mm. feels, and I have the added heart condition. So I truly do feel like I'm going to die. Um, and so it can be incredibly, I mean, it's debilitating. It's terrifying. Um, so I was diagnosed with anxiety formally kind of already knew that that was there. Um, And I had been battling what I figured was um, just kind of depression, depressive symptoms. I wasn't sure if it was clinically relevant, but it was definitely impacting my life. And for a little while, I was working with my therapist, basing this on the idea of, okay, I have anxiety and I have depression. Let's see what we can do with self-care here. Running, um, whatever kind of physical activity helps me. I do a lot of meditation and yoga, and reading helps a lot. And so, figuring out those things. Um, And then, as we kind of dived or dove a little bit further into it, we realized that no, this is actually more than depression because Mm -hmm. I have had incidents of, at the time, just hypomania, which is um, kind of the lesser form of being full blown manic. So, um, it still has those. I mean, you feel just like superhuman, which mm-hmm. I mean, just energetic, talkative, um, super confident, you know, believe that nothing can stop you. Um, and so I'd had it, and you're not sleeping. And so I'd had a few incidences with that. And I thought, okay, so this is probably more than my therapist said, like, yep, yeah, this definitely looks, <clears throat> excuse me, a little more like um, bipolar type two. And so I, She referred me to a psychiatrist, um, because at that point, and I still see my therapist regularly, Mm -hmm. but at that point, um, bipolar is a very pretty rapid progressive disease. And so if it is not treated, it will progress. Um, and by that, I mean, it actually, each episode, um, you have makes it more likely you'll have another one and then it can eat away at the gray matter in your brain, it is terrifying. Um, (laughs) That's why there's uh, life expectancy goes down. There's an incredibly, a tremendously high risk of suicide within the bipolar population. Um, And so I finally agreed. I was very hesitant, but I agreed, okay, I do need to go on some form of medication um, because of this, because Mm -hmm. this is brain altering. This is beyond just let me run it out. Um, and so I started that and it was an uphill battle, um, trying to figure out what was going to work for me. And I had a lot of adverse reactions, including <clears throat> being on one particular medication that ended up sending me into a full blown manic episode, mm. which I had never experienced at that point. Um, And I was having delusions and all sorts of things and that was scary, but at the time you don't really realize it. Um, and in that instance, and since then I've had one other instance where I definitely strongly contemplated suicide. And luckily Mm. I have a very supportive husband and was able to kind of taper that off. Um, So that worked out okay. But we realized, okay, this has progressed into bipolar type one. Um, And so there was talk of, do I go inpatient? Do I continue like outpatient therapy? What is the best idea? Um, And for the last, until, I don't know, a couple months ago, I was in a very bad depressive episode and you don't, always realize it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, You're kind of in a fog and feeling kind of numb, apathetic. And that was definitely when I had some vices that were probably not the best outlets. Um, And then I was dealing with these injuries and I couldn't run. And so it was a really tough time. Um, But luckily I think we've kind of stabled out medications and finally able to feel things again. Um, But it was difficult because there's such a stigma about Mm -hmm. this stuff still. Um, So that was a really hard thing for me to deal with and to kind of do what was best for me and my family.
0: Yeah. And there's this dual sided coin of both feeling like you have to take care of yourself, but also looking for support, encouragement, love from from those who are around you in a society that often doesn't necessarily a- always understand what's going on and even in your own mind you're struggling to figure out what's going yeah. on as well uh and you know I know I've had times where it just is you you wish the other people understood what was happening in your brain to the second uh mm-hmm. so that they could kind of see what's going on but you know sometimes unfortunately it's not the case and it comes with you know Information that helps them to understand outside of of the episodes, um, which is you know one of the things that that I think you know attached me to to get you on here uh, was was a post from oh gosh when was, it, was, it was from a couple of weeks ago I think um, and and you talk about you know right in this kind of issue of how are other people observing you how are other people supporting you how are other people helping you. And we see that oftentimes self-care is kind of this double-sided coin of both, you know, the person being able to help themselves. Yes, there's there's parts where you have to be able to help yourself. You talked about, you know, recognizing the need to be on a medication. You talk about the need, you know, I, if I'm remembering correctly, there was a time where you really, you couldn't run. And so you really started getting into yoga as a way just to meditate mm-hmm. and and kind of take care of yourself. And 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 you noted that. And I know people who have done that before, and so you, you have this post talking about how other people we want to help with mental illness, but then when it gets really messy, when mm-hmm. it gets really complicated, uh, we often kind of like back and shy away mm-hmm. um, so So as someone who's going through these trials, going through these these hardships with it sounds like a very supportive spouse, you know what's that what's that not? Getting in-depth there, but but what's that conversation look like of helping each other understand what's going on? Or even just with your friends who are trying to help and support you. What are those conversations looking like? Because those conversations are part of your self-care routine. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to, in the long run, help with your own self-care. So what do those conversations look like?
1: Yeah, so... You mentioned, I do have an incredibly supportive spouse. And one of the things we have um, that we use is their scales that you can find on bipolar mood scales. Mm. And I can just point to a number on that scale and say, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of down here right now. And that way he knows Um, he can say, oh, okay. You're starting to feel, you're starting to swing towards that depressive side or you're starting to swing manic and we need to be aware of that. Um, and so that's been really helpful. There are a lot of actually Instagram accounts out there um, <clears throat> where a post might come up and I'll share it with them. And mm-hmm. I'll say, you know, read through this, this is more articulate than I could be. Um, and I don't know if lucky is the right word to say, but <clears throat> it has a very strong genetic Component uh, Mm -hmm. bipolar does, as well as other mental illness. And so there are family members I have who have experienced this, know what I mean when I can't explain it, they get it. And so that's helpful um, as well. But to kind of go off what you were talking about, that post, um, I was, it just frustrated me. Um, I had an old, a a friend from growing up, um, who had died from suicide Mm. and this was after she had struggled for years. Um, she had had an eating disorder at one point. Um, and her parents didn't want people to know it was suicide. And I was very frustrated because one that's like, they're blaming her for it. They're embarrassed by it. And that's not her fault there was a failing on society's fault. And I think we consistently say it's okay to not be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the fun little tagline that everyone says, or hashtag mental health matters. And it's like, does it, does it really? Because you say that until, you know, my anxiety gets so bad sometimes that I can't go out. I can't leave the house. Um, or my depression is so bad that I am a shell. Mm-hmm. I'm not a human. Um when I, you know, am experiencing kind of those hypomanic romantic episodes, and I kind of sometimes have this uh, dysphoric mania where it's very scary and negative, and I start having like paranoia that nobody likes me and all of that stuff. Um And so experiencing that is messy Mm -hmm. and these same people who tell you they love you and they're there for you when they're faced with it, when it is put up right there in their face, um, they just can't, they can't do it. They can't deal with it. They can't, um, support you because Mm -hmm. it scares them. And I think that's where a lot of this education needs to happen. It's not that I need you to be a therapist, I need you to be a psychiatrist. I just need you to be there mm-hmm. and sit with me, right and you don't need to tell me anything. you don't need to do anything. I have a friend of mine who's wonderful, she just if i if I'm kind of withdrawn a little bit, she just texts me, Hey, what's up? What's going on with you? you' doing all right and I can say yeah i'm I'm okay um I'm just you know, busy and tired, or I can say, you know what, I'm struggling. And so she can say, what do you need from me? Do you want to go take a yoga class? Do you want to go to dinner? What do you want? Do you just want to sit? Um, and that's all you need. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't need, I'm not Mm -hmm. asking for solutions. Like millions of people have researched this and not figured it out. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not asking you to, I'm not asking you to solve my problems. I just need comfort. and that's the the greatest thing people can do when you're experiencing these these symptoms and, and not be so scared or so dismissive. Mm-hmm. The oh, everybody goes through this. No, no, they don't. Yeah. Um, or and even if everybody does experience a level of anxiety that doesn't make mine any less, you know, prominent right now, any mm-hmm. any less disturbing right now. <clears throat> and so, just having somebody who doesn't question you, who doesn't try to belittle the symptoms you're experiencing, who sits with you and supports you and loves you no matter what, and people say they will until it's smacked in their face, and then they they don't
0: yeah and and, like you said, I think sometimes that's where society fails us because mental illness is a messy thing and mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm going to be better about getting mental health and mental illness different now thank you for that but mental illness is definitely a messy thing it can be messy when someone is having a panic attack right in front of you and they're just completely lost and don't know what to do and it almost seems like human nature of being there and just saying okay what will help you to feel better mm-hmm. and and not because you want the person to feel better but because you want the person to stop Acting like a, a, a panicked, manic person mm-hmm. in front of you. Um, you know I've had some breakdowns in the middle of church meetings, and I will tell myself, you need to get better because you're in the midst of like a 20-person meeting that you're trying to lead. And, and you're right. That's what mental health and mental illness has come down to is this nature of, you know, you need to be X, Y, and Z, and if I'm with you in this moment, I need to get you there. In the fastest way possible, um, and so when we think about that, and and when that kind of enters the headspace, it it really makes me reflect on on sort of the basis of this podcast of loving your neighbor as yourself, and when we think about this relationship of of mental health, of mental illness, of taking care of ourselves while also helping to care for others, and we see the increased rates of anxiety, depression, of I mean, even not just in diagnoses, but but events and spells where someone, you know, even if it's if it's a generalized anxiety, or even if it's a, a an every so often depression that they're going through, it still is individualized to themselves. But our lack of ability to deal with it, unfortunately, I think, is leading people to feel devalued for who they are. Mm-hmm. Um. So so, what has it meant in your life, and then maybe even speaking as you can about those times where it's failed and those times where, where maybe suicide felt like the option.
1: Yes. So like I said, I've got some great friends who I can lean on. Um, And I am also trying, I'm on a crusade now to educate Mm -hmm. people. Um, I'm, I'm in an amazing book club and I have now been really open with them. And then I try to explain to them, this is what I'm experiencing. Um, because people don't know, and it's, it's a failing on our part in society, not to teach people these things, right. Not to educate. Um, it's something like three or four out of every 10, uh, people will experience some level of clinical, um, mental illness in a year. so this is it's rampant it's out there and I and I do like to make a distinguish this uh, distinction between mental health and mental illness, but that's not to dismiss mental health
0: mm-hmm. it's because
1: I think when they get entangled people tend to think, "Oh I'm, I, I don't have a disorder and it's like, no you may be, you probably do not mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you don't have things you need to take care of. Yeah, And so I think it's really important that we all have that, that we all have friends or family or just a person that you can reach out to and say nothing more than like, I need you right now. Um, and I've got that and that's really helpful. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to solve everything, unfortunately. Um, like I said, I've, I've got that. I mm-hmm. have that support system, and it's wonderful um you know I've got my book club i've got running friends i've got um my husband i've got other friends' family who's really supportive um I've got my church family that's really supportive as well um, but it it doesn't mean that's gonna work all the mm-hmm. time, and that's where there have been instances where my um I mean my disorder, my illness has has caused things to to go wrong, right mm-hmm. um, I make irrational decisions, I act in ways that are uncharacteristic of me, of my beliefs, of my morals. I do things that I would in any other sense disagree with um and then there's also the um like the suicide right um When I am stable, that's not even in my mind. Yeah. Right. But when I'm not, there have been times where I can remember um, because I'm on multiple medications and I've gone through multiple medications, I can remember actually one night being in a manic episode and just picking up like eight to 10 pill bottles and just telling my husband, I'm just going to take these. And that's when he like had to physically kind of put them down, put me into bed and like not let me leave. Um, So sometimes it requires a little more. Um, But yeah, it's, it's hard. It's messy. It's not something people want to deal with. And I get that. I do. I truly understand. But don't tell me that you're okay and that you want to be there if you can't, Mm -hmm. you know, like. It's ugly. I get it. But if you want to be there for me, that means being there for more than just the, I'm a little stressed out this week.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think while we don't want to lay blame of any suicidal ideations or suicide attempts on, on those whom we love or our friends or our family, you know, I think we can definitely see that those supportive people in our life do a whole lot to help. Prevent those kinds of situations. Not that it is a one hundred percent given. If you have a supportive partner, if you have one hundred percent supportive friends, that it's never going to happen. Like you said, you know, you're just in an episode, and you know, I think you're probably thankful. Your friends and family are thankful that your husband was Mm -hmm. there and could find a way to help. You know, unfortunately, that's not always the Mm -hmm. case, and and sometimes people, and sometimes it happens, um, and and it is a very grievous process. Uh, for, for, for those who, who are, who are grieving. Um, but I think it does, like you've said, you know, I think there is an educational component that comes with understanding how we deal with mental illness. Yes. But also mental health in general. Uh, and, and how we all understand the basic of taking care of, taking care of our mind, right? Taking care of, of, of that mentality and taking care of what that looks like. Uh, So just in a generalized context and moving away from that mental illness, not because it's not important, but because Mm -hmm. focusing on that mental health is what's going to help us as I think, I hope in my heart, focusing on that idea of mental health, of everybody caring for themselves mentally might help us become a little bit more aware of the mental illness side of things. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about mental health and as a as a sports psych kind of person, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot that I, I hope you could offer in this. As we're thinking about it, what are those ways? You know, you've talked about therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. You've talked about you know mitigation measures of 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 mental health, self care practices and rituals and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But as somebody who teaches sports psychology, who works with folks who are you know working with athletes who are just probably stressed to high end, not even any sort of mental illness. But what are some of the things that you're looking towards in that field, in that Mm -hmm. understanding that that helps us understand? One, why it is so important. And two, what we can do about it in our lives, even if we don't think we have a mental illness.
1: Right. So this is one of those things. I think, um, gosh, I don't know, maybe in high school or middle school, every student should have to have a class on this, mm-hmm. right? I just think it's that important. And, and recognizing the signs, like this is, this is me starting to get overwhelmed. What does that mean? What do I do? Because um, I can remember growing up, I would have like these times where it's just like my stomach hurts for no reason. And now looking back, it's like, Oh, anxiety. Okay. I, I get that now. So I think first of all, would be like that educational component. Um, and then secondly, I mean, I work in, in two fields where um, this kind of mental health aspect is, is incredibly important. First, I work as a college professor. Mm-hmm. and college students are stressed. I mean, they're they taking a lot of classes, and we don't mean to as professors, but we all seem to give our exams at the same time. It's like um, the school
0: schedules it that way.
1: I know, and so <laughs> we, I think we really need to, and so I always tell my students, like, look, if you have more than my exam on one day, please tell me, because that's mm-hmm. just not going to be helpful for you. You're not going to do well. You're going to stress that's not good. Um, and I give them a little leeway on some other things. I'm kind of a pushover. But I, I've i also had students just show up in my office and start crying. And it's like, I'm glad you feel safe, but I'm sorry that it got to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish, it, I wish we could have done something earlier. Um, but so I see a lot of that. And so I try to be as supportive as I can. I try to educate them on um, ways that they can use, utilize self-care as well as, um, kind of what, what they're going through, what they, you know, these signs of, okay, you're going to get burnt out, you know, Mm -hmm. you need to take a step back. And so I try to do that. And then on the other side, I'm working with athletes, um, and athletes, especially like collegiate athletes, um, are athletes, they're students. Mm-hmm. They're expected to do a lot of community service that I don't think people realize. Um, a lot of our athletes go into local elementary schools and read to the kids and things like that. And then my primary focus is on injury.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I work with a lot of athletes um, who are coming back from injury. And um I even teach a class specifically on the psychology of sport related injury, Mm. because it is it not only actually increases your risk of injury and illness, um, but then also is going to directly influence your recovery, rehabilitation, return to play, risk of future injury. Um, And so I work with these athletes on, you know, you tore your ACL, you're out six to nine months. How do you stay motivated? How do you not get down on yourself when you have a setback in rehab uh, or when all of your teammates are practicing, playing, traveling, and you're stuck in the PT room? You know, what, how do we deal with that? And so there's a lot of stuff I work with, um, with athletes kind of having to, to deal with that. And that's not mental illness, clinical levels. But there's definitely some depressive symptoms, some anxiety symptoms, um, a lot of stress, a lot of worry, some identity crisis there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I work a lot with that as well. So I've got a lot of different techniques that I work with, these self-care things. um, And depending on the athlete or the student, what's going to work? We actually do um, a couple lectures in my class on um, some of this stuff, right? So we talk about arousal and anxiety reduction and talk about different techniques that can help. And then I show them how that can be used in the real world. Like, let's talk about how breathing techniques can help you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's talk about how sitting with meditation can help you or um, muscle, progressive muscle relaxation. And then I do the same thing with my athletes. Okay, let's go through some imagery. Let's try to work through um, visualizing yourself playing again or getting through rehab. Um, And it's incredibly important, you know, Mm -hmm. to keep the students from burning out, but also then to keep my athletes motivated, um, you know, kind of consistent with their rehabilitation. And then I had to use it myself with all these injuries. Um, I took (sighs) off. Around four weeks from running, and then also took off from yoga too. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of sitting there like, what do I do? Um, A lot of PT, some strength training, but I had to come up with ways that I could work through this. And Mm -hmm. it's tough. I get it, but it's important.
0: And when it comes to the mental health aspect of it, of us caring for ourselves mentally, it brings in that balance of, the holistic self-care routine, right? Because it's not gonna be any one thing that's gonna help to keep us, you know, um, stable. I I mean, I don't Mm -hmm. even know that's the right word, but but in a good mental head space where we feel like we can, you know, not be a big ball of stress or not be a big ball of anxiety, you know, Mm -hmm. not even bringing in the mental illness component of it. But then when you add those, but then if you are someone who has a mental illness, and you add that on top of just mm-hmm. regular care for mental health, that's, that's where it begins to become problematic for our society. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I love that you offer that perspective of saying, okay, here's the mental health. Here is just, we need to meet the basic need of this person so that mm-hmm. they are in a headspace where they can function. And, I mean, a college environment, like, that's a great... <clears throat> That's a great place. And I believe you're at a D1 school, if I'm not mistaken. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So at a D athletes at a D1 school. So I went to a D3 school. So our athletes are probably on a completely different level. Uh, they have all that stuff, but they have the added benefit of not getting the scholarships. (laughs) Um, but, but no matter like they have all, and that's a, I love that example of kind of thinking about the stress that it takes in a college environment, but then also an athletic college environment, because mm-hmm. once they get out of this environment, they're going to be going into a society where, you know, some of these, since it is a D1 school, you know, some of these folks may, may go and play professional sports. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, and, and that's across all the sports. I'm not just talking about, you know, football or anything like across all mm-hmm. the sports. Um, but then you're also talking about people who are going to school who probably are going to be going into uh, high stress work environments right. and they're going to need these mitigation measures. And then you're gonna have these people who in their lives, maybe they're people who did not get the diagnoses when they were a youth. And they come in and they start seeing a therapist as an adult. And just like in your story, these therapists start connecting dots. Yep. And once the dots are connected, and I think that's something interesting. Like just something that I noted about your journey was that it was it like they were connecting the dots throughout everything, and they're like, Oh, here, it might be this. Oh, no, like up here. You know, I yeah. definitely see that in my journey as it's like, so I was diagnosed as a kid with ADHD. Mm-hmm. I never really grew out of it. I just kind of grew, I say, grew into it to a point where I managed it. And then as an adult, I developed generalized anxiety, mm-hmm. which then makes the ADHD worse. <laughs> Which then makes the anxiety worse, right. which then just becomes a, a back and forth pendulum swing. And so when, when that happens as an adult, have we talked about mental health enough when folks are younger to be able to help them to know that when they get these diagnoses as adults, is what they're doing to take care of the mental health before really, really helping to be able to address where they go in the future? Mm-hmm. And so even when they have those diagnoses as an adult, now we have, at least in my view, we have adults who seem incapable of even handling their own, you know, Mm -hmm. mental illness struggles because they haven't really dealt with the mental health side. Um, In your environment, are you seeing this change a little bit? Are we hopefully getting that message out to a little bit more?
1: Um, yeah, and it's funny first off that you should mention ADHD. Um, because that was that's my most recent diagnosis. Oh fun, that's a add good add that's, a,
0: that's a fun um, one. That's just a- but
1: I yeah, <laughs> I think people don't realize ADHD isn't always just like, oh, something shiny. Let me go over there.
0: No. It's I just, lost my me, keys for an hour yesterday.
1: Yeah. It's, <laughs> this, it's this complete it's for me it's a complete inability sometimes to start a project yep. right like you're looking at it and you're like i know i need to do this i know i i can i have the capability and it won't take that long but i just can't and then i start something else that doesn't matter mm-hmm. um or my husband laughs because like all of a sudden it's like i have to organize the freezer right now um just the freezer. so i do get some of that like And yeah, the house looks super organized lately, but I skipped meals to do it. So um, that's been a tough kind of build. And I think part of that came from, I didn't recognize it early on in my youth because Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was. I always thought of it as that fidgeting that have to get up, have to do all this stuff. I didn't recognize it could be something else. And that's why actually ADHD medicine doesn't really help me because Mm -hmm. I don't have that sort of fidgeting have to do that sort of thing. So in increasing awareness early on, I think we're gonna catch catch may not be the word, but we're gonna notice people earlier and we're gonna get them help they need. And I do think as as we're kind of progressing as a society, I do think people are becoming more and more comfortable talking about it. Now they may not want to deal with mental illness, which is that beast we've already kind of mentioned that it gets too messy. It's too hard, but I think at least our generations are starting to recognize this Mm -hmm. as a thing and think of therapy as beneficial, not some sort of taboo topic. And I think as that goes on, things are going to get better. It could take a couple more generations, but I do see it getting better. Mm -hmm. Um, just thinking about, you know, generations beforehand, it was, oh, if you had ADHD, you were told to read more, just try to focus, you'll be fine. Um, and now it's like, okay, this is actually can be debilitating if it's not properly treated and managed. Um, and so I think our generation and generations coming up are starting to recognize that like we need to think about this. We need to actually do more to help people. And so Mm, I do think mental health is becoming less taboo. And I think people are trying to learn more about it and admit when they need help. Um, I think mental illness has a long way to go, but as you say, if we can start to address that mental health, um, it's not necessarily going to like prevent mental illness because that is actually like chemical changes in the brain. Right. But if we can start to become comfortable with helping people and helping ourselves with mental health, because again, we all have mental health. I think that'll lead to becoming more comfortable with mental illness and, and kind of recognizing signs, symptoms, and, be more comfortable helping.
0: Well, and to name what's at stake when we talk about mental illness is—is is, is, I mean, it's people's lives, because we look at we look at the way that mental illness is handled in our society, and we think about some of the the worst examples of mental illness, like just the like like you've talked about today, the manic episodes, the the just bipolar one um, where people are up down you know some of those and it has and and we've talked about it and we talk about suicide and we talk about the ramifications it has on communities um you know as a pastor i have never had to do a funeral for someone who's committed suicide but i have been to a funeral where i've had to i i went there for my pastor colleague because of how difficult a funeral was going to be because the person committed suicide and to sit there in that environment and you can see everybody's mind kind of going of how could we have stopped this? How could we have stopped mm-hmm. this? Um, and you don't want it to be as easy as like, well, who could like who could have called them or like what? Like right. what if what if someone had just been there? And, and like I said before, they like we can we can play that game all day. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it, you're right. Like it's a societal failure of how are we talking about these things honestly, openly? It starts with mental health. Um, I wish that there would be a little bit more, you know, onus of getting to that mental illness so that it makes that a little bit easier of a conversation to have. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as as we kind of wrap this conversation and bring it to a close, when we when we come back to that messiness um, and you're thinking about. A message to send to the world, which I know that just seems daunting beyond all belief. And I promise I have like, you know, I have like 40 listeners. So, you know, I mean, just <laughs> my 40 <laughs> listeners who like the med. No, um, but as you're thinking about the messiness of mental illness, um, and we've done, we've spent this time talking about the connection to mental health and talking about that messiness. What is that one message that you want to share with folks that lets them know? it's not as messy as you think it is. Like it's, it's, it's messy. Like let's not yeah. sugarcoat it. Um, but it's not so messy that you don't have a role to play.
1: Right. Um, well there, can I give a couple of messages? Yeah.
0: I mean, go ahead. Yeah. We're um, we're at 45 minutes. I mean, we're, we're, we're golden. <laughs>
1: okay. So first off, um, I would say one thing we need to do as a society. And I think this is where it starts is, change the way we talk about it. Mm. Then we can change how we think about it and how we feel about it. Right now we say things um, kind of flippantly. Oh, I'm so OCD about this. Or I feel so bipolar because, you know, I'm up and down or whatever. Um, That's not true. Mm
2: -hmm. People
1: who have OCD, that can be very debilitating. And for you to just be a neat person, doesn't make you OCD and for your moods to just kind of shift around because of the weather or because of a busy week, that doesn't make you bipolar. And I think we need to kind of shift how we talk about things and not glamorizing things either, um, which sometimes can happen with, um, anxiety and depression and things like that. And the, and the verbiage we use. Mm-hmm. So we tend to lay blame on the people who are, you know, dealing or suffering or battling these mental illnesses. And it's, um, you know, she's bipolar. No, she has bipolar. Mm-hmm. Or she committed suicide. Well, no, that makes it sound more like a crime. Mm-hmm. which in some states, it still is illegal. Mm. Um, so they can actually be punished if it is unsuccessful, which is a terrible way to say it. So died by suicide, right? Um, thinking about alcohol and drug abuse, that that stems from mental illness. That is always a symptom. It is never the first thing, mm-hmm. right? And so um, rather than saying they're a drug addict, say, you know, they're using drugs or abusing drugs or struggling with this or, you know, don't label them. Mm -hmm. Give them a chance because once we label them, we expect them to act a certain way and we're not giving them a chance. And then when things get messy, get in the trenches. You Mm -hmm. don't have to do anything. Just sit there. Just be there because we're too quick to say, When somebody is suicidal, they're seeking attention. Mm
2: -hmm. But then
1: when they actually die from suicide, that's the tragedy. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need to talk about it. And people who are suicidal are never seeking attention. Often they want less attention. Mm -hmm. So we need to start dealing with it then. We need to start dealing with these things, addressing these things, supporting these people before it gets to that point. And when it gets messy, if you're a good friend, you're gonna get some you're gonna get in that mess. Mm -hmm. And again, that doesn't mean you're we're not looking for people to solve this. We really just want you there. Mm -hmm. And I think I think if people start to realize I'm not a scary person, like movies kind of tend to Show that, like, oh, people who have bipolar are definitely violent. No, uh, people with mental illness are more likely to hurt themselves than anyone else. Mm-hmm. We're not scary. We're just dealing with a lot. So just be there, and then maybe we can kind of get through it. Um, and just as an aside, i I don't want to share too much because it's not really uh, my story to tell. Yeah. But knowing someone who had um, died from a drug overdose and the obituary actually spoke about that Mm. and was very open and somebody else reached out and said, you know what, this happened to my son too. And that struck up a conversation and it helped someone. And I think we need to be open and so I guess my message if we can put all that together is to uh, just be there for people. Think about the words you're using, how you're describing people, how you're what you're saying. And you know, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. Be open. Talk about it.
0: Mhm. I mean, I don't think I could have said it any better. I mean, I'm just, I couldn't have said that any better myself. And, and one of the things that reminds me of is, is being there for folks. Um, you know, I, my, my wife loves to read. I love to read is um, uh, we just read a book called under the whispering door by TJ Klune. And it's just this perfect embodiment of a scene is one of the characters is having an anxiety attack on the back porch and all the, all the other guy does is just stand behind him and tap on the, on the, um, the deck railing. Just to let him know that he's there, um, mm-hmm. and I think to my I, I think to myself, you know yeah if'm I'm, if I'm having a panic like when I'm in the middle of a panic attack, something that just keeps me grounded to hear mm-hmm. and just lets me know that there's someone there who cares for me. Um, yeah. and I think that that becomes the ultimate message of if if you're listening to this and you have someone in your life who you know has uh, who you know has a mental illness, uh, or even you just know someone who struggles uh to to just let them know that you're there for them mm-hmm. um that if they need that if they need your help that if they need your assistance that you know I, I, i'm not going to fix everything but i'm here mm-hmm. i'm here yeah um, that's all they
1: need uh, my as just kind of a quick aside my husband has also knows specific grounding techniques for me mm-hmm. and so if i'm in that moment he can just go out all right he can just be like, five things you see and we start doing the 54321 or mm-hmm. He know, another one I like to do is to just pick out, pick a color and everything in the room that that is that color. And those things ground me. And if I'm too far, he just brings me an ice pack for the back of my neck and I just ride it out. Um, so be there. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all we really need.
0: Just thank you so much for all of that. So um, I've got some end of podcast questions here so that we can dive in uh, here just a little bit more about your self-care. So listeners of the show, I've kind of changed a few of these uh, and and added a couple just because uh, let's let's unpack what self-care looks like. Uh, so what is your comfort meal? Soup.
1: Soup. <laughs> I love I love soup. Um, so like if I'm feeling really anxious, mm-hmm. soup. That's very good too. All
0: right, so long week. It has just been a long week, and you finally have a day off. What does your ideal day off look like?
1: Um, sleeping in a little bit. Um, if I can get in a run, I love that. Definitely some yoga, um, and then trying to see some friends. That's that's what I need.
0: And I think you've answered this a few times in the episode, but I always like to ask it at the end too, just to just reiterate: Who do you go to when life gets tough?
1: Um, it depends. Mm. So that's tricky. Like, um sometimes it's my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, but then other times it's a friend. My sister is a big support. Um, so I go to her a lot. Um, so I would say there are there are a few main people I have. A hu- my husband, um, a close friend of mine, and my sister. But I know I have others I can, mm-hmm. which is reassuring.
0: Uh what is something that makes you feel accomplished?
1: Oh, that is, as somebody who suffers from very strong imposter syndrome, (laughs) that's difficult. Um, but I would say seeing my kids happy Mm. when I, when I can look at them and just, and they're laughing and they're smiling and they're happy you know, that's what, that's what we want as parents. Mm -hmm. And so when I see that, because I have a very strong fear that I have passed all of this on to my kids. Mm. Um, that is a huge fear of mine because it is strongly genetic. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I see them happy, that, that helps.
0: And finally, what is an upcoming goal that you have?
1: Oh goodness. Um, to, to get over these injuries would be first and <laughs> foremost. Um, but I think I am getting there. Um, and my next, unfortunately i I keep having to defer races. Mm. Um, but my next race that you absolutely cannot defer is the Disney marathon. So it, yeah. that's what I've got on my, in my kind of line of sight here. Just get ready for that. No more injuries and just do it. Even if it's slow and I'm stopping to take pictures with characters, I'm going to do I it. I mean,
0: that's what the Disney Marathon's for, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> now, is it just the marathon or are you doing one of the challenges?
1: I'm just doing the marathon. Okay. Um, I had tried to sign up for challenges, but those go like that. Yeah. Um, I thought I would gotten in for the goofy, uh, but I just missed it. And now that I'm dealing with the injuries, I think mm, probably for the best.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Jamie. That was, that was such a great conversation.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I love talking about it. So yeah, if anybody has questions or wants to talk, they can always shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm happy to chat.
0: Definitely. And her Instagram will be right there in the podcast notes. Great. Oh man, what a great episode! Um, I know that there was just there was a lot of heaviness in there, uh, and I know there was a lot going on. But I love that conversation. I encourage you, you know, I mean, if it felt heavy, if it felt like there was a lot, you know, listen to it again. That was uh, to me such a great conversation that I was able to have with Jamie. Um, I appreciated her openness and honesty. You know, as a as, as something for me to to just let you all as listeners know. In each and every one of these podcasts, I invite the guests to share as much or as little as they want. I say, you know, if, if something feels like it's too much, please let me know. And, and you know, I can cut it out or I can, you know, move to a different subject, whatever it is. Uh, and, and Jamie uh, came with a, a willingness and an openness, knowing that uh, her journey helping others as well, helping us understand the bigger picture of mental illness. Uh, and as I said a couple of times in the episode, I think one of the big things that I'm taking away from this episode is that that differentiation between mental health and mental illness and using those as separate terms rather than using them as terms that, that maybe might feel interchangeable in some ways. And I think that that becomes an intentional thing that we can do to help differentiate mental illness as something that Uh, As Jamie said, while it might be messy, it might be something that feels messy, it is still something that we can approach as we learn and understand more. And so, you know, mental health is that innate understanding of taking care of our mental health and what it looks like for us to take care of ourselves, for us to take care of our mental headspace. And that's anybody and everybody, whether you have depression, anxiety or not, whether uh, you have any mental illnesses or not. And then you come into that mental illness space and you think about what it takes to take care of ourselves if, if we are diagnosed with those mental illnesses uh, and, and what that looks like to care for ourselves. And then what it looks like for us to have community that surrounds us, that helps to take care of us and how important that becomes in our lives as we care for ourselves Uh, like we've discussed before, having the community around us that lifts us up, that supports us, that guides us along this journey. And I think we saw within Jamie's story that understanding of what it looks like for a community, for persons, for individuals around us to be able to help to support us. We heard about the support that Jamie has in her life. Uh, And then we see the way in which she helps to teach it, not just the mental illness side, but again, the mental health side. What does it look to care for ourselves? As well as learning and understanding the more nuanced parts of this journey as well so uh like this was such a great wealth of information i I love this episode i know again i know it was heavy but i think that there's a lot of of good stuff in here for us to sit with for us to chew on for us to learn from and so i appreciate you listening you know if you weren't able to kind of make it through some of the tougher parts of this episode i appreciate um you being here um and and supporting this podcast Um, and I want to thank y'all so much for joining in this conversation Uh, check out those show notes Uh, as I said Jamie's Instagram will be in there so you can connect with her so uh, if you want to talk to her about mental illness or about mental health uh, as she said she's more than willing to have a conversation about that join us on the active faith uh, Facebook group uh, and join along with the conversation there. And then, uh, as I always say here at the end, you know, this is a, a self-supported podcast. This is a listener-supported podcast. And so, uh, the growth of this podcast is is on all of us. And I love for this message to get out there, for this message to be shared. And so, uh, if you would just find it in your heart to find one of these ways to support the podcast, uh, whether it is... Uh, m- liking or uh, rating and reviewing this podcast on apple podcast or spotify letting others know how much you're enjoying it uh sharing with a friend inviting them to listen make sure you follow and subscribe so that these are always there um and then lastly if you would uh find your way and maybe support on patreon just a couple of bucks a month you know uh, i have one tier on there but feel free to give um, as much or as little as you're able to a month. I would love your support over there that helps to cover some of the fees and stuff like that behind podcasting, behind hosting the website, all of these different things. And so I want to give a shout out to the patrons that I have supporting me David Vaughn, Pam Anderson, Amy Dane, Andy Wells. And if you join that patron list, you too will get a shout out in the outro to these episodes. I'm so thankful for their support and I would love it if you are listening to this podcast and wondering if there's a way that you can can support this mission, support this ministry. I would love it if you would uh, hop on over to patreon.com slash run and rev and offer your support in the form of a monthly donation or hop over and support by offering a rating or review or just by sharing it on Instagram or Facebook. And now may God bless each of us and may we find ways to stay active in and for God's kingdom. Amen.